You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, and that might be Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and it's Friday, which means it's almost game day. And what's it like to go behind enemy lines to the Plains of Auburn? We got a very special guest joining the podcast to talk all things Auburn Tigers today. But before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, every single day, give me a follow, give me a shout out what you want to hear. And I will add it to the repertoire. And secondly, locked on Aggies locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things. 12th man related content found here on LOP. You can always subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify. And if you can't do any of that, listen every single day because every single day is a locked on Aggies podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. The Plains of Auburn, one of the more fascinating spots in the SEC, a hidden gem, if you would call it. And if you ask an Alabama fan and an Alabama alum, we call it West Georgia. I mean, that's basically how we do it. But we have a very special guest hopping on the podcast today. He is the Locked on Auburn's host. Guess what? He's also the number one college football host here on LOP. Guys, give it up for Zach Blackerby. Zach, my man, how are we doing? Man, what an intro, Cole. No, it's fun to fun to chat with you having this this crossover action with some uh, some SEC stuff. Very odd um, after covering an Iron Bowl, and then we've still got more regular season games after it. So kind of a weird situation for us Auburn folks this week. It's the weirdest thing ever because if Zach knows this and most of the listeners know this, I am an Alabama alum. I've been covering the Iron Bowl my last two years of college, three years of college. I covered the Iron Bowl, including that kick six game, which was incredible. Very first Iron Bowl I ever had to cover. But you always imagine after that, it's Alabama or Auburn usually going to the SEC championship. Well, yeah. no, it's not. And for AM, there's still three games left on their schedule where Auburn has two games left on their schedule. So it's not over just yet for anyone in the SEC. And this is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So, Zach, I mean, Iron Bowl, you and I both see Alabama. Alabama alum, but more importantly, I've already been covering Alabama this year because of AM in week two. You saw them. I mean, it was a very similar game. There was moments where it looked like Auburn could be in contention, where uh, Texas A&M could be in contention. And then Mac Jones came on, and the defense made a big stop. And then one defensive play after another led to another three and out. And eventually, we know how the outcome went. Just from what you watched in the Iron Bowl this past weekend and what I saw in you know week two, is this just an Alabama team that, once again, Nick Saban has rolling all the way into Atlanta? Yeah, I think so. And they're just getting better every single week, especially on the defensive side of the football. And Mac Jones has really figured out this offense. He's figured out how to get all of these super talented uh, playmakers involved. And they're getting better each and every week. And I think think you look at this Alabama team, and I think it's going to be one of Nick Saban's best teams. And so it's like from an Auburn standpoint, you got railroaded by them last week, and you've still got to play relevant football games. Malzahn talked about it earlier this week when he was previewing the matchup with Texas A&M, saying, hey, you know, this is uh, this is the highest-ranked opponent they're going to play in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Like, this is a big deal. It's senior day for uh, for Auburn's guys, and, you know, it's, it's an important game, uh, largely because I think Gus Malzahn is coaching for his job on Saturday. So, you know, there's all kind of dynamics with that, but as far as – um, kind of using Alabama as a litmus test. Uh, A&M did better against Alabama 
than Auburn did. But also, I think two different Alabama teams when you talk about early in the season versus last week. I mean, and I would understand completely all of that, but you, you talk about Gus Malzahn and everyone, I, I, you know, I've heard this for years and people have, you know, been going off on Malzahn since he arrived in the SEC back in 2013. He took him to a BCS national title. He's 53 and 27 all time. And he has three wins over Saban. You know, who doesn't have three wins over Saban, Jimbo Fisher or Jeremy Pruitt or Lane Kiffin or any single person who's ever been an assistant under Nick Saban. So when you hear things like that, you wonder from the outside, okay, Malzahn is struggling at Auburn in the sense of he's not able to win all those capital big games. But how bad is he to be willing to be fired, even though he's one of the few people who's beaten Nick Saban at at least not a maybe a consistent level, but come back and forth as much as he does? Yeah, and it's not just all Alabama, though. I mean, when you, when you coach at all, I think the head coach at Auburn, that's one of the toughest positions in all of college football, largely because you got to deal with Alabama in state. And then also you've got to deal with Georgia as your cross division rival. I think it's a big deal. You play LSU every year. And I know uh, it's not too different than the situation with A&M. You guys don't have to play Georgia every year, but it's still uh, obviously uh, very, very tough. But then the recruiting aspect of it, you know, with just where you are geographically, You're recruiting against Alabama. You're recruiting against LSU, Georgia. Clemson's now coming into the state. Florida can come up into Alabama. And it's just, it's tough. It's it's tough. And you're you're having to see Auburn go into Texas a little bit more just because there's so many guys, as you know, covering the Aggies. I mean, I think that Chad Morris connection has kind of helped them out in that front, but they're still losing commits left and right. And just when you look at what Gus Malzahn put on the field, this past week in the Iron Bowl, I think it's concerning that you're eight years into your tenure, and a lot of guys don't get eight years, but this is your program. All of these guys are your dudes, and they've been your dudes for a while, and you just look lost. I think it's fine losing to Alabama, like if you look back at the 2018 Iron Bowl, but it's not like they were close at halftime. They they were in that game for like, Zero seconds. Exactly. Say, maybe maybe the first three drives and it was over. I mean, yeah. Most yeah. Auburn three and outed, and then you know they they held Alabama to punt, and then that was it. That's all she wrote. And so, yeah. I think that's a big deal. It's not like they ran out of gas; they were just never in it. And I think some of that is an execution thing, but a lot of that is like it is your job as a head coach. It's so late in the season. Um, you can't blame Bo Nix for being a freshman or you know a young sophomore anymore. You can't blame the offensive line issues. I mean, you've been there eight years. There's no reason why any position group should be a glaring weakness at this point. And that is, um, that's on the head coach. That's on the head coach. So I think that's where the frustration is. And then obviously the record against Georgia. Um, but man, there's something about Gus Malzahn when he is coaching for his job and he is at home, he wins football games. And I think that's what makes this game even more interesting on Saturday to talk uh, about. Listen, I I agree. I understand. I completely see where all this is happening. But here's my thing. Where do you go if you fire Malzahn? Because if you have to look at all the names that are going to be on the market, you have to look at some premier names that are going to be moving around. There really is, to me, two big names that could be up for jobs. And I feel like Matt Campbell is one, and he's not going to go to Auburn. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Hugh Freeze is the other. And he's not going to go to Auburn. So to me, in a COVID-19 year where everything is crazy, where everything is kind of lopsided, you don't know which direction you're going in for your future, who is the guy if you do go get a new head coach? 
Yeah, that's the question. That's the that's the what thirty plus million dollar question when you really break it down and. I don't have an answer for you. And in fact, you know, ever since I've been doing talk radio, I mean, Auburn fans have been wanting Gus gone since I've been in the business. And I always have a rule where if you, if you call in or text in, however you want to communicate with me saying, Hey, I want Gus out of here. I'm like, that's fine. You can do that, but you have to supply an alternative that's better. And you got to pitch me on it. And so uh, a lot of people have called in the locked on's hotline, uh, locked on Auburn's uh, listener hotline and talked about, um, you know, Neil Brown, who spent some time at Troy, so he knows the landscape a little bit. Now he's at West Virginia. Uh, Brent Venables, the D.C. at Clemson, has, uh, has garnered some. Uh, a guy that I'm a personal uh, fan of, uh, P.J. Fleck. I don't know if he's coming to Auburn. I don't know how much better that situation is in Minnesota. So I don't know. I'm with you. I am totally with you on, okay, are we convinced that Malzahn, like, is a top-tier coach? I, I don't know. But I think you have to look at all things considered – where Gus Malzahn is, it's tough to win at Auburn. It's just, it's, it's easier to win some places than others. And right now, um, Auburn is a tier two football program. I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, and I think there's five or six schools that are that top tier. And it's really, really tough to kind of get from one tier to the next one. Clemson's really the only one recently that's been able to do it. Um, I think Auburn can put themselves in situations much like A&M where they can put together good teams and have a chance at it every few seasons. And I think that's kind of where Auburn's going to be for a while until some guys retire and just kind of the, you know, the power shifts around a little bit in the Southeastern conference. And again, there's nothing wrong with that to me. You know, I look at all these blue bloods and you talk about maybe Texas needing to be better. And you talk about maybe uh, I would say even Nebraska to be a little bit better, Michigan, Michigan. be better, but yeah. You can understand Auburn has always been kind of that fringe tier one school. Texas A&M is slowly growing into that fringe tier one school. And if you have a tier one head coach, maybe you get there. And at the time, I feel like maybe Gus Malzahn was considered it. Jimbo Fisher still is considered it. And I think he's starting to prove why he is considered it. So I understand where you're coming from, but we have a game to talk about, but more importantly, Zach, I know you and I both work a lot. Now you and I both work in different fields. You and I both work in journalism. You and I both work in stock radio, but do you ever have a moment where you just need to hit the unwind and reset button? Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people feel like they are always on with everything being go, go, go. So uh, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Yes, that is Coors Light. It is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Lockdown Aggies presented by the Lockdown Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action. Joined by Zach Jackson of Lockdown Auburn. This is a Lockdown crossover podcast. Guys, we know what we're doing on something. You'll find a podcast around your favorite sports teams. If so, why not listen to a Lockdown podcast? You know the one that me and Zach are doing right now? You got plenty more. Over two dozen college sports shows plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up and win your fantasy sports league. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen on Spotify. And if you can't do any of that, listen every single day. Because no matter what sport is your favorite, every single day is a Locked On Podcast Day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. We got Zach Blockerby from Locked On Auburn. Crossover episode. Locked On Tigers. Locked On uh, Aggies. My bad. Locked On Auburn. Locked On Aggies. Locked On A's everywhere today. Zach Bonex 
is an enigma. Now, Jimbo Fisher yesterday said at the press conference that you can never not be afraid to prepare for a guy like Bo Nix because if he is mobile, because of what he can do when the pressure is underneath him, what he can do outside the pocket. And you look at his stats on the year. The one thing I've noticed is in every loss he's had, he's thrown at least one interception. In every win he's had, Maybe he throws an interception, maybe not. But if he, if you lose, or if he's on the losing side, there's a turnover involved. Is there something about that that maybe just you've noticed watching him a little bit more up close when that turnover happens, game over? Um, I, I just think he's a different dude when he's on the road. And he's a different dude when he's playing against good defenses. And so I just think over the course of, you know, his, I, I want to say young career, but he's about halfway through it now, assuming he plays all four seasons. It's like, he, there's just two different versions of Bo Nix that we see. Now, obviously, like any other quarterback, he's going to be significantly better when he gets a running game, and that's been kind of hit or miss depending on how much the coaching staff either is willing to or wants to use uh, running back Tank Bigsby. And so that's been kind of hit or miss. And his offensive line um, has been hit or miss based on the health of the five guys up front, and uh, I don't think they're going to be healthy going into Saturday. So that's going to be a big thing as well. But – I think Bo Nix is fine. I think his scheme has um, has not been in a situation to help him succeed. I don't think Malzahn and Chad Morris have consistently put him in situations to find open guys. And I think his receivers don't help him out a whole lot. So this Auburn offense, it it's fun when it works, but a lot of time it's really clunky and it's not really smooth. And a lot of people want to point at the quarterback, but I think there's other issues there. I mean, of course, there's always other issues. I mean, you have to look at the run game. Tank Bigsby's their leading rusher with 566 yards on the year. I mean, at the same time, though, passing game is a big thing for me that I wonder about because if you have a guy in Seth Williams who's an all-pro talent, and he's entering, you know, the final two weeks of the season with 580 yards on the year, is that more of a connection between him and Knicks, or is that between, you know, just the offensive play calling? I mean, I mean, what is really there? Because, you know, when I started the year, I thought – you had Devonta Smith at number one, Jalen Waddle number two, and Seth Williams as my biggest riser. I thought he was going to be talked about possibly in the first round conversation, kind of a late surge that we saw from Justin Jefferson at LSU last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's your job as a wide receiver to get open and he's not consistently doing that. And then when he does, I don't think he capitalizes on him. He had that huge drop in the iron bowl early. I think that could have possibly, you know, changed momentum, you know, could have kept Auburn in a little bit longer last week, possibly. I don't think they would have won because of it by any means, but it's situations like that where it's like, all right, Seth, you got to catch on, you know, you got to catch the football. And a lot of the times Bo Nix is forcing the ball to him and he's, he's kind of having to make these ridiculous catches to help Auburn move the ball down the field. But I, I just don't see him getting open a whole lot. And I think he's taken a lot of uh, a lot of damage to his draft stock, assuming he chooses to leave at the end of this year, which I think he will to go to the NFL draft. And I think the NFL is going to look at his tape and say, this guy can't get open consistently against college defensive backs. Is he going to be able to do it in the NFL? And I think that's going to be something that, um, that people are going to debate all off season as far as, you know, is it a route running thing? Is it a speed thing? Is it a, you know, is it, a, is it a scheme situation? And, you know, different teams are going to feel differently about it. But as far as what he's been able to do this year, I don't think he's great with the ball in his hands. I think he's fine without the ball. I think he's an okay route runner. But when you look at, you know, pro football focus and, you know, these, 
these, uh, you know, deep analytics, like he's not getting any kind of separation whatsoever. And that's, um, that is an issue, especially when you look at guys like Eli Stove and Anthony Schwartz, who have, I think, done a better job getting open and helping their quarterback. But Seth Williams, you know, every now and then he'll get the 50-50 ball, and that's exciting. But it's time to make joy, America. That, is, um, that is something that folks are going to have to worry about and analyze. We'll have to see. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and that was exactly what I was going to get to with Anthony Schwartz. I mean, Jimbo talked about him as possibly the fastest player A&M will see this entire season. And they have a player by the name of Devon on Shane who set Texas state records in track meets with hundred yard dashes. I mean, so when you're talking about what Schwartz brings, especially what you want in that size six foot frame, he can kind of, he plays a lot of slot. He does a lot of good things in the intermediate part of the field but he really is successful after the catch. I mean, you look at his numbers this year, 12.3 yards after the catch. He's not a vertical threat. This is all yards that he gains on his own feet. When you look at him and Stove, I mean, does, is this is this somewhat of a mismatch for the A&M secondary that is a little bit younger on their front seven side? Uh, possibly, possibly. I think, you know, I think the idea of Schwartz is better than Schwartz actually is. Um, and I don't know if that's a Schwartz talent thing, or if it's the the coaching staff still trying to overthink how to use them, but they've you know they've gotten better at figuring out how to stretch the field a little bit with Anthony Schwartz. I mean, this guy's the fastest player in college football, sets all kind of records in high school with you know the hundred meter dash and his track career, and so very exciting. But they just have a hard time getting the ball in his hands consistently, and so um, I think in theory it could be a, mat- a mismatch for anyone. Um, so, uh, to answer your question, yes, I think so, but is, is it going to be, I don't know, because a lot of the times when they use him in a dangerous situation, like down the field, you need a second, to you know, in pass pro for Bo Nix. And I think Texas A&M is going to be able to get to Bo Nix early and often. So we'll have to see how they scheme him open on Saturday. And at times like Georgia, when they had a hard time protecting Bo Nix, um, they had a hard time getting the ball to anybody. But, yeah, they had a hard time getting the shorts as well. Listen, the biggest thing that I look at as well, you look at what Auburn's been known for for a long time, and that is their defensive line and their run game. And the run game's been okay this year. You know, they, they took a really big loss when um, when Petway uh, left last season. So, I mean, that was always going to be a big deal. But you look at the – defensive line I, I mean you have guys like Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson last year making a huge impact they're now in the NFL and there's really not that you know standout guy but if there is a standout guy is there somebody in your mind that you think could have a monster day against this AM front seven or a front <laughs> offensive line sure um no but if I had to pick someone I've said big cat Brian every single week I mean he was my guy going into the season I'm like he's gonna get double digit sacks I don't care if they're only playing 10 games like he's gonna have a killer season and he hasn't and early in the season he looked like he had a slight limp a slight hobble to him he looks healthier now but he still doesn't really have that burst that I thought he would um going into the season so I've been really unimpressed with this defensive line I thought Tyron Truesdale was going to, uh, you know, be a big factor. You know, I thought going into the season, Connus Miller was going to be a big stud, and then, you know, he, he leaves the team. And so, I mean, this defensive line has not been what Auburn fans have expected from Rodney Garner. And, you know, I know a big storyline was replacing Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown from a year ago, and you heard from the coaching staff, and you heard from players, and it's like, okay, you know, there's not going to be much of a drop-off. And everybody said it so often, everyone's like, okay, great, then we should be pretty good on defense. And then 
the first game rolls around and Kentucky runs the ball like crazy in the first half. They got better in the second half, but they just, they have not been able to get any kind of pass rush um, consistently this year. And so, you know, Derek Hall is the guy that's probably the best pass rusher on the team. Um, I think the big thing is can Auburn impact Kellen Mond in the pocket without having to blitz because when they blitz a lot of the times uh, they still don't get there. And so that's going to be, um, that's going to be a big, big, big thing to watch. So uh, to answer your question, I guess I would say Derek Hall, you know, this is a guy that's gotten the SEC defensive lineman of the week uh, a few weeks ago, and he's got the potential. He's got the burst. It's just, he's not playing a whole lot. He plays in pass rush situations and that's kind of it. And so with, um, with, with Texas A&M, um, based on what I've seen, I haven't really had a deep dive into your numbers, Cole, but it, it seems like you guys have a pretty balanced offense. So can Auburn force third and longs and get Derek Hall in the field? I think that's going to be the big question. 18 sacks, seven interceptions on the year for the Auburn Tigers. Definitely something you don't want to see after last season, what they did defensively overall. Zach Blackerby here from Locked on Auburn. When we come back in just a quick moment, let's talk a little bit more about Texas A&M because if even though a win is a win, is it really considered a good win when you barely can move the ball offensively? But just like the AM offense, sometimes you have to break through that wall, whether that be mental or physical, getting through that wall every day gets you on the go. And that's why I recommend you use Biltco from the great people who created Built Bar. Now, it's an easy 1.5 ounce package, so you can put it in your briefcase to get you through a presentation, put it in your golf bag to get you through the back nine, or help you get through a workout. And in three different delicious flavors, including peanut butter, honey, coconut chocolate, and chocolate mint, you will always have something new and delicious at your feet for a delicious treat. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing and it gets in your system so much faster than the acidic drinks that go in your stomach. Plus, it's loaded with the good stuff, including beta-alene, B3, honey, and just enough kick of caffeine, plus all the vitamins you want in B6 and B12. Plus, if you didn't know this, Collagen protein actually promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. Guys, it makes you look even better. Go visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCK to get 20% off your next order. That promo code is LOCK for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Whatever you need to do to get through your wall, break through it with BuiltGo from BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Zach Blackerby here from Locked On Auburn. Zach, you got to see a little bit of that game on Saturday when it was AM versus LSU, senior night for Kellen Mond, and defensively, my opinion, one of the best games they've played all year. And this is why I think Mike Elko was going to be considered for one of these non-Power 5 head coaching jobs. Because if I do believe the way his defense has been built the last two years is substantial. But we go back to the quarterback position. And a lot of people had high hopes for Kellen Mond, just like they had for Bo Nix. But probably a little bit more for Mond because he was in his fourth year in the SEC. And he threw for 105 yards, averaging 3.1 yards per throw. And he had... I believe it was five drives that went over 25 yards on the day. When you see that number, I, I mean, do you just wonder what is Jimbo thinking of keeping this guy? I think it's interesting. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week because Kellen Mond was, was a guy that Auburn fans thought they were going to get. I think Kellen Mond thought he was going to go to Auburn for a little bit. And then 
moved from IMG back to Texas and, you know, ultimately went to A&M. But uh, he's a guy that I I don't think Jimbo is using him correctly. I I think he is better than what his stats are. It's just not the right scheme for him. And, you know, Malzahn talked about all the strengths of Kellen Mond in his press conference earlier this week and how much respect he has for him. And a lot of the things he listed as his strengths, I don't think Jimbo and the Texas A&M offense really uses that a whole lot. I think they want to be a pocket passer based on what I've seen. And I don't know if he's necessarily that, but you look at what he did on Saturday and uh, obviously Texas A&M's defense uh, looked really, really good, but LSU's offense has really, really struggled down the stretch this year. I mean, Auburn saw him a few weeks ago and it was Auburn's best game of the season. And uh, you look at it and it's like, I feel like A&M's offense should have been better against that LSU defense. And I think that's kind of give uh, Auburn fans some hope going into Saturday. Um, I think it's going to be a slugfest on Saturday, kind of just because of the way the makeup these two teams are. I, I'm really impressed with A&M's defense, not as impressed with their offense uh, down the stretch with Kellen Mond. And I think Kevin Steele, Auburn's defensive coordinator, is going to be able to kind of mix and match a few things to um, to kind of slow down A&M's offense. And I think Auburn's offense is going to have a hard time moving the ball consistently against Texas A&M's defense. So um, all in all, I mean, basing his performance off of last week, I think you're going to see Auburn do similar things. I think you're going to see a lot of guys play close to the line of scrimmage. And you may see, uh, you may see kind of a, a lot of different blitzes and, and things like that just to kind of make – Kellen Mond think a little bit more. And uh, it's like I said, Cole, I think it's going to be a low scoring affair. I think it's going to be a very physical game on Saturday. It could be. It very much could be. The one difference that I do look at between these two right now is the established run game for one side. And that is Texas A&M because Mm -hmm. if they can't just win with Isaiah Spiller, now Isaiah Spiller had 54% of the offensive production last week against LSU but they have this kind of earth, wind, and fire technique. I'm not sure if you remember back in 2008 when the New York Giants had uh, three great running backs, Brandon Jacobs, Andre Ware, and there was the other guy, I forget his name, Spencer something. Uh, but they were called earth, wind, and fire. You had one pounder, one rusher, and one that was speedy and just on the outside. And you have that, again, with Isaiah Spiller being your ground and pound back. You have Anaya Smith, who was a wide receiver that converted to running back last season because they were so limited in depth. He does a little bit of everything as your pass catcher. He does a little bit of everything as your runner through the trenches. I think in Devon on Shane, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, he has a state record in 110 meters, over 88 touchdowns during his time at Fort Ben Marshall here in Houston, Texas. They can win at every level of the run game if they choose to. And they've shown this season that they can. So when you look at how the defensive line has played this year and it's regressed a little bit, does that have any concern for you? Yeah, I mean, Auburn stopping the run has looked different based on the team that they've played. Like Tennessee, they had a really hard time stopping Gray for them on the ground. It seems like every time he got the ball, he got like seven yards. Um, Then, you know, second half Kentucky, they were able to slow them down. LSU wasn't able to get anything on the ground. So it's really just kind of depended on who they've been able to play. I mean, Auburn's linebackers are are uh, they've kind of been hit or miss, but as far as tackling, as far as stopping the run, they've been pretty decent. Zacoby McClain, Owen Papo filling in for KJ Britt, um, getting hurt earlier this season. I think they've, um, I think they've done a really good job stepping up with uh, this defensive line, taking a step back from a year ago. As far as comparing the running game between these two schools, I think a big part of it is how healthy can they get Tank Bigsby from um, his injury two weeks ago against Tennessee. Kind of had a hip injury. He was looking like one of the best freshmen 
in the SEC, maybe even college football as far as running the football. He looked really, really good, really, really impressive. He's going to be a, a fantastic player in this league over the next two seasons before he goes to the NFL draft. But um, can he get healthy? He did not look healthy in the Iron Bowl. They gave him a few touches there. He just didn't have that same burst and that same pop. Does another week off give him enough time to kind of figure out how to get that going? But as far as Auburn's defense stopping a and it's been so hit or miss, Cole. It's going to be hard to predict. But I think you're going to see the defense as a whole play close to the line of scrimmage and force Kellen to throw it deep. That is just my prediction. I think you're going to see Smoke Monday and Jamie and Truewood, Auburn's safeties, play close to the line. I think you're going to see some bump and run from Auburn's corners on the outside. Roger McCurry's been one of the best corners in the SEC this season. Nehemiah Pritchett's been gotten, you know, I, I think he's gotten better and better every week. And so I think you're going to see them play pretty aggressively and force Kellen Mond to throw deep. So when you do that, um, you typically have a better chance of stopping the run. I get that. And I, and I understand where that definitely comes from. Uh, I, I also want to just go ahead and go just flip on the other side. I feel like Kellen Mond, I mean, Bo Nix is going to be in for a very rough day against DeMarvin Leal. Because if DeMarvin yeah. Leal has shown in the last two weeks that he is the up-and-coming, rising defensive lineman in the SEC. And the biggest thing is, offensive linemen everywhere have seen, whether they're the guard, whether they're blocking the B-gap, whether they're blocking on the outside as the as the, uh, as the left or right tackle. Liao can get anywhere, and he's 290 moving at the size of a 250-pound guy. I mean, when you see that coming at you, that's a freight train and a half ready to bring you down, and that's exactly what I think Bo Nix could be in for. Zach, you guys are out of the postseason conversation. You are completely now just playing for a bowl game. You're trying to keep your season alive. You know, as you mentioned, Gus Malzahn probably coaching for his year. But A&M is not. And you look at how the college football playoff rankings have come out recently with the four schools that are in right now. When you look at the resumes, of, let's just go with these four to keep it, keep it fair, because I think it is. Ohio State, Florida, A&M, and I'm going to throw BYU into the conversation because BYU is kind of getting really chipped right now in their rankings right now. Who do you think is actually the number four team in the nation going into this weekend? Um, like who's the, who's the most likely of those teams to make the playoff or who's yeah. the best? Oh no. Who's the best. Who's the best. Not the likely. Cause I think we all know who the likely Probably A&M, but I don't think A&M is going to make the postseason. And, and I don't either, but that's not because of their fault. I think it's just because of, you know, you look at resumes, you look at mm-hmm. how things are going to go out, but uh, you know, people are arguing the entire time. Well, what about Florida? And I'm like, well, Florida, they unfortunately have to have another date on their schedule and they have to face Alabama. They're not going in with two losses and they're not beating Alabama. Then you have Ohio state who we're talking about, they're likely going to get in and it's a little unfair because of they're not going to finish with, you know, eight games on the year. So when they don't have eight games, how can we justifiably say that they deserve to be in when Texas A&M may finish nine and one. And then you have BYU who has very much impressed me. And we have a buddy here at locked on podcast, uh, Jake hatch for uh, locked on on BYU. Zach Wilson is the truth. Zach Wilson has done his part. And it's a shame that that tough schedule that BYU had at the very start of the year is not still around because it would have been interesting to see if they would have gotten in over the likes of everyone else. But Zach, real fast, I'm going to go buy or sell a couple of quick questions for you. Buy or sell Bo Nix throws for over 250 yards on Saturday. Uh, I will sell that. Yeah. I a hundred percent believe that um, the Texas A&M run game will have over 200 yards of offense. I will sell that as well. Both teams will have at least three, uh, two turnovers on the day. 
Hmm. I'll buy that. I'm going to sell that, but I'm going to say one does 100% have at least two turnovers. I don't know which, but there are going to be at least three turnovers in that I game. I think it's going to be a really sloppy game on Saturday because I'm not impressed with either offense. Auburn or AM compiles 12 points or more on field goals. As one team or together? No, as one team. Uh, I'll sell that. I must sell that, but I'm going to say it's really close. Seth Small came pretty close to being the guy this past weekend, so I could see it okay. happening. All right. You have over uh, – uh, Auburn has over 400 total yards of offense. Uh, sell. Fire Gus is chanted at least three different times throughout Jordan-Hare Stadium. <laughs> I'm going to sell it because I think the people that are anti-Gus aren't the ones going to the game. So I'll sell it, but it may happen from uh, – it may happen from uh, – you know, maybe some, some bars or drinking establishments around town. We'll have to see. I can a hundred percent see that happening at Scott. Yeah. Not even a question. Right. Buy or sell. The game is tied under 17 points going into the fourth quarter. Uh, I'll buy that. I'm going to buy that as well. I must say that this is a low scoring game. And finally, before we let you get going, Final score of this game, does AM stay alive in the postseason picture one more week, or is this the weekend that Gus Malzahn gets his big momentum win of the 2020? I, I think I, I, I'm taking Auburn in this game, and the only reason is desperate Gus Malzahn at home has never lost in his career. And so I, I'm going to take that, and he's done pretty well against AM since AM's come into the SEC. I think this is a 24-17 kind of game. Um, I will, I'm, I'm taking Auburn, um, solely because desperate Gus Malzahn coaches way more aggressively and way better than, uh, than, than outside of those types of games. So this guy does extremely well when his back's against the wall. So I'm taking desperate Gus Malzahn on Saturday. I am trusting desperate Gus Malzahn to get the job done in the sense of he will be desperate and go for the wall. But I did just say, I do believe that there will be at least 12 points coming from Seth Small, including a game winning field goal. Late in Jordan-Hare Stadium, give me 27-24 Texas A&M. They stay alive one more week. I actually, the very start of the season, thought that the two schools A&M would lose to this season was going to be both in the Yellowhammer State. Alabama in week one and Auburn in the final week of the season. I'm not sold on it anymore. I still think they could lose two games. Unfortunately, it's not to Auburn. I do think that this is the closest game that they will play all season, though. 27-24 for me. Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn. Zach, let the good people of the 12th Man Podcast fans know where they can find you and your work. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby, and you can follow uh, Locked on Auburn. Search Locked on Auburn uh, on Twitter as well. And you can, uh, you can check out Locked on Auburn wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, man. Zach Blackerby here from Locked on Auburn. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here on iTunes and Spotify and listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And if you're a fan of all things NFL, make sure you listen to the Friday edition of the Locked on NFL podcast with your boy Q and Bo Brock are joined by betting expert and site analyst from the Action Network. Get your full weekend preview and Sunday's six-pack of winning bets every Friday on Lockdown NFL. Subscribe on Lockdown NFL whenever you get your podcast. Make sure you tune back in on Monday as we break down everything that happened this upcoming weekend in the Plains of Auburn. Will we see another victory for Texas A&M, or will Pick Mix actually have a chance to get the victory? We'll discuss all that on Monday. See you then, and remember, again, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.